Good evening, everyone. It's Necro Thursday. I hope everyone had a uh, great holiday weekend. As we record this, Jeff and I are getting ready for the 4th of July weekend. And uh, so how's it going, Jeff? Pretty good, man. Uh, how about you? I got to say, man, life's good. You know, um, yeah. things are going well. Uh, excited to have four days off from work and I have like a, a nothing planned. I'm not doing anything. I'm just disappearing for the next four days. <laughs> That's great. I wish I could say the same. I have the fourth off and I'm, I think I'm pretty much working every day in July. <laughs> oh, dude, that's uh, a lot. Than, than, than Tuesday. Yeah, you know, you got to make that money, Mike. So what? But, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, man, it's like, it's like uh, you know, there should be laws against uh, working people that hard, you know? Yeah, well, you know, uh, I wouldn't disagree with you, you know? But, uh, you know, I've had a few setbacks. We haven't, uh, we haven't recorded an episode together in quite a while, it feels like. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I know <laughs> that you had some, some stuff you had to deal with, and that's, you know, that's okay. Me and Mike picked up the slack, you know? Yes, I appreciate it, and I've been enjoying um, listening to the episodes. Um, uh, as you said, on one of the episodes, I don't know if anyone listening right now heard, I, I got attacked by a dog. Yeah, how's that? How's that coming? You, uh, you know, you healed, you recovered. What's going on? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I have not yet turned into a werewolf, which is you know, a little disappointing to tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm fine. My hand is healed up. There's going to be. Uh, a scar there for for quite a while um but it is what it is man it's one of those it's one of those things you just never really prepare for you never think you're going to be attacked by a dog indoors um pretty I, crazy i have to say i've never uh i've not prepared for getting attacked by an animal either <laughs> yeah i mean you know it was over before i even knew what happened uh and uh, you know now every time i see a dog i'm a little little on edge whereas before i uh, didn't think about it too much you know what's cool, actually, uh, is that this whole uh, necro voicemail thing has actually become part of the show. Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, I've been enjoying uh, uh, hearing the listeners and their opinions and their recommendations. It's uh, you know, it's it's fun. You know, at first I didn't know what to think. I was like, oh, this 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 could be all right, but uh, it's turned out to be quite cool. I'm very happy uh, we're doing this. See, I, I I knew, I suspected that people would have some kind of interesting things to say. Either that, or it would just be like pure hatred, you know, nonstop. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and either one yeah. would have been fine, actually. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> so before we get rolling, I just want to shout everyone out. Of course, um. We, we are part of the Illuminati of podcasting. And, of course, that's the horseman of the podcasting apocalypse. Kicking off the week, we got Brandon Legion coming at you on Mondays. And he gives you Horowolf 666. On Tuesday, we have Jackie Smith with the premier extreme music podcast. The only one that I actually listen to. And that's Into the Necrosphere. Every now and then, I'll check out the Heavy Hole podcast brought to you by Big Will out on Long Island. Wednesday is Everything Went Black, which is my uh, first attempt at doing podcasts. It's uh, been doing it for a while, um, you know, kind of ebbing and flowing. But for the last few years, it's been a weekly show. Thursday, of course, is Necro Thursday, which is today, the day that you're listening to this. Friday, Mike Skandado's brother, John Draper, delivers Break the Apocalypse. He takes Saturday off. And Sunday, the Dark Lord 
Carl Hikara delivers Soul Knox. And that's like a pretty goddamn full week of podcasting content brought to you every week. It's amazing, man. Yeah, I feel like it's growing. We got we got a thing going on here and it's uh, you know, growing and, and getting stronger every day. Absolutely. And it's good to see these other podcasts uh, pick up, you know, get a little momentum behind them. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Have you um, checked anything out over the last few weeks uh, since, uh, you know, since we last spoke? As a matter of fact, I have. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, All right. Let's, what do you, I'll try what do you... to keep it brief. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned before on the podcast, I got tickets to see Earth, the band Earth, perform the album Earth 2 in its entirety. And uh, that happened a couple weeks ago. I, I, I went. And, uh, you know, anyone who knows, who's known me for a long time knows that Earth 2 is a very important album to me. And what are the chances that, you know, this, this album from like 1990, 92 or something like that, 93, that they'd be playing it live 30 years later in Austin, Texas. Like they're a Seattle band. Like, you know, a show like that, what you think would happen in New York, Seattle, LA, but it's happening here where I live. So that was, uh, it was really something, man. It was, um, everything I could have hoped it, it would be. It was, Basically, the record live uh, with with minimal visuals, but I mean, it was just incredible. I was kind of in awe the whole time. That's an interesting record to perform live, man. Since I, especially since I feel like so much of that recording might have been like improvised, maybe you know. Yeah, and you know, I saw like on Instagram like their their setup for this tour and it was, you know, combo amps and, and things like that. And I'm like, man, how are you going to get that that sound out of a combo amp? Because it's really just loud feedback and very, very slow chord progressions. But I got to say, man, it filled the room perfect. It, it was not quite as loud as I would have wanted it to be, but that was maybe my only complaint, but it sounded perfect. Everything was balanced really well. It was in quadraphonic sound. And it was in a church. Like, there was pews and everything and Bibles in the seats. <laughs> That's interesting, man. That that kind of makes sense, I guess, you know? Yeah. But, it, man, it was a, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity uh, to witness that. And I feel very fortunate that I, that I got to see that. Um, amazing. You know, I've seen, you know, the band Sun, which is somewhat of a tribute to the album Earth 2. Um, but it was great to see like the actual guy do, doing it, and uh, it did not disappoint at all. It's a tour, huh? Yeah, well, uh, they were on tour, but they were only doing the Earth 2 set in Austin. It was part of the Oblivion Fest, which is a thing uh, that happens every year here. It happens, it's like, um, I'm like a very mini south by southwest very focused on metal and stuff like that or like you know underground music like it ha it's happening over like three or four clubs over the course of uh three days and uh godflesh played uh one day and um a bunch of people played oh that's pretty Jim cool. yeah it's, a, it's every year and uh, i was glad to finally finally get out of the house and win speaking of godflesh man I, I think i need to um they're they're playing they're playing Philly, I think. Yeah, you should go. I need to go because I like I like the new album that got that just came out. I like it quite a bit. Do you? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty good. It's very um, nostalgic. I think is the word I'm looking for. It, it really 
goes back to the old days, like very reminiscent of Pure, that era yep. of Godflesh. I was thinking the same thing, and that's why I feel like I need to go check them out. I, I pretty much see them every opportunity I get, really, you know? Yeah, and you don't, you don't get a lot of opportunities to see them. Justin is not big on touring, uh, and Godflesh only comes around once in a great while, so... I feel like the last time they played in New York was the time we played with them, actually. Oh, yeah. The, that was uh, before the pandemic. Oh, I, I remember seeing the set list from that show and, and being jealous. Like, damn, that was a great set list. Yeah, it was fantastic, actually. It was great. And uh, it, was just, it, was overall, it was just a great show. And just overall, it was cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, other things to mention, um, I watched... A movie I can't recommend enough. Uh, yeah. The Solaris remake by Steven Soderbergh. Oh, yeah. Have you seen it? I have, yes. Yeah, uh, the original Solaris uh, is my favorite science fiction film of all time. Uh, but the remake, I got to say, is not far behind it. Uh, it's, it's literally half as long as the original, but really still, really still delivers. Uh, it's a heavy movie emotionally. Uh, not horror, obviously, but um, I think if you're a fan of this show, you, you would uh, you can find things to appreciate of, of, about it. It's yeah, and it's it being a remake. Uh, it's it's really up there. It's probably top top ten sci-fi movies for sure. It's definitely one of those rare instances where the remake is good and different enough from the original, and you can enjoy it pretty much on its own merits. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And Steven Soderbergh is such an interesting director. You never really know what you're going to get from him. And uh, that is up there with, uh, amongst my favorites that, that he's made. Probably my favorite film that he's made. And other than that, I'm doing yet another um, another pass of True Detective. <laughs> I've been uh, watching those again. And I know uh, since we've done this podcast, I think this is my second time going through uh, True Detective. Actually, I'm about to do the same because Ralph and I are going to do um, kind of like an analysis of the first season on um, on uh, Everything Went Black, Patreon, Long Shadows. It's like the weird fiction um, segment that we do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I made notes. I mean, I, I, I have like a running like sort of essay that I've written on, on the first season with all the references and connections to the different, you know, Yellow King and the uh, Ligotti stuff and all that kind of, you know stuff yeah season one is uh i mean just next level tv it's just so good but uh i think it. about it all so, the time actually to be honest like, yeah. I, I find myself thinking about that season quite a bit especially after like you know the, we had um we had the uh, nightlands festival a few weeks ago which right. was and and cadabra records is all about like thomas Ligotti. like the big thing was uh you know uh, Portrait of Apocalypse, you know, or Pictures pictures of Apocalypse, this right. new book of poetry, which I read twice, you know, before the festival. And the whole, like, the oddness and weirdness of his writing always makes me think back to True Detective about, you know, Errol and the whole, you know, projection of everything and how that projection of his of his internal world manifested itself in reality which is like a very Ligotti-esque concept you know yeah oh totally and I mean at one point uh Matthew McConaughey's character almost like quotes 
Legati's, uh, some of his writing, like his philosophy on life, it, it seems like it came straight out of uh, one of his uh, books, uh, specifically Conspiracy Against the Human Race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that whole pessimistic, like Schopenhauer-esque philosophy that he put forth in that in that uh, book, that you know, his philosophy book, basically. It's a nonfiction book. Yes, yes, correct. Um but man, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to listening to that. Uh, just, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just obsessed with season one. And for the record, I like season two. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but uh, I don't know. I, I just like it. I don't, I, don't, I don't get the hate for it. I, I don't hate it. I, I actually like it as well. And I like it more after watching it a few times. And um, <laughs> I got a funny story about that. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I went through a breakup uh, a couple of years ago. And I remember uh, I, I actually got drunk in my apartment by myself. And uh, it was like a weekend. And I put on season one. And I passed out on the couch. And when I woke up, season two was playing. And I was <laughs> oh, like, damn. I'm like, oh, you know. And, and I was so just hung over. I was just like, let me just, I just watched it again. And it in that state, it was like the perfect thing to watch. And, I, and ever since that moment, I've been like very, uh, you know, very, very much a fan of it. You know, and I don't drink that often, man. So like when I when I something like that happens, you know, it's an extreme circumstance. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't take a lot of alcohol to get me that drunk, really. So yeah, yeah. I think I've known you twenty seven years now, and I think I've seen you drunk maybe I don't know like four or five times. <laughs> yeah, probably about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, amazing, man. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much what I've been uh, checking out. What about you? Uh, since I moved, man, it's funny. Like I, I just been trying to settle in here and uh, you know unpack and organize everything, and you know working my full time job and going to band practice and everything. I haven't had a chance to watch too many things, but I mentioned this before. I did start watching the new Black Mirror episodes on on Netflix. Mm, oh, okay. Yeah, they're definitely I'll... definitely worth checking out for sure. Okay, because I was really disappointed with the last bunch of episodes. From the se- the previous season or from the new season? I haven't watched any of the new seasons. Yeah. I think it, the previous season, there was a, a Miley Cyrus one uh, that season, whatever that was. It right. just uh, was yeah. kind of wall-to-wall bad, which is so disappointing because I, I think like the first uh, couple seasons in the Christmas special of that show is, is some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Like The funny thing is like, I got the first episode – I didn't really like that one. The first episode, conceptually, I liked it, but I didn't ended up not liking the first episode. The new season, there's like a, a funny thing. I want after you watch, we'll maybe we can talk about it. But there's like, yeah, it's a relationship one where this this lady's in like this relationship with some dud, you know, <laughs> like she's talking about you know fantasizing about her like bad boy like sex machine like ex boyfriend, and then when you finally see yeah. this guy, he looks like the kind of guy that a woman would would not fantasize about like he looks like this dude that would be the one who gets who wouldn't be able to like keep his girlfriend you know what i'm trying to say yeah yeah you know, like, I, it, it looked I, like I, he looked like the guy that the, the the girlfriend would be fantasizing about somebody else with you know what i mean right yeah i got gotcha. you yeah so. um <laughs> <laughs> i uh it, it's kind of weird too reality seems to be catching up to black mirror um yeah it has to do with texting and you know and, and AI and fucking it, the actually it kind of had a cool ending but I don't know there was like a lot of things that I thought were really funny that didn't really add up to me 
Aside from that, um, I started reading this book called The Troop by uh, Nick Cutter. And uh, Nick Cutter brought us uh, The Deep, a very, very intense book that I read last year. And uh, Brandon Legion actually kind of turned me on to Nick Cutter. And um, and I've been I've been into it, and I, and I actually turned our, our mutual friend Selden Hunt onto uh, Nick Cutter, and he's obsessed with him now. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you said the deep, you're not talking about the uh, the book from the seventies. The, the film was based on. No, no. There's probably like 400 books named the deep, but this that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not a very original title. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I gotta read more, Mike. I did. I'm really. Uh, I have all these books. I'm surrounded by all these books in this room that I do this podcast, and and I haven't read. I haven't read shit. It's one of <laughs> no, my favorite. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do, man. Even more than watching movies, actually. Oh, you know, when I was a touring musician, I read all the time. I read like, uh, bring a couple novels, a couple anthologies with me, and yeah, I just read. You know, all those like long, eight, ten, twelve hour uh, drives. Um, I would just read, and since I stopped touring, it's, my reading is just almost non-existent. You want to get in some uh, some voicemails now? We got the Necrophone. Ah, yes. Yeah. All right. So Necrophone. If you guys want to call us and leave us a voicemail, the number is nine zero eight nine one three zero seven eight two. That's nine zero eight nine one three zero seven eight two. Leave a voicemail and. uh yeah, it's cool. A lot of people have been calling. We got a lot of return callers, and I love when it's you know we're hearing from you guys every week and excellent recommendations for stuff. And we're working through those. We've actually done some of the movies that you guys have recommended, and we're always open to those ideas, especially if people want to hear it. And uh, sometimes it's nice to hear from people. And um, and yeah, so the first guy up, uh, we got Dave. Hey, Necromaniacs, what's going on? It's uh, Dave Berardi calling you guys back. Uh, had a question for you guys this time around. Um, I'm a fan of, you know, practical effects and, uh, gore in horror movies. Um, hopefully that doesn't make me some sort of a psychopath or anything like that, but, uh, <laughs> um, just curious, what would you guys rank as maybe your top three? most disturbing film that you guys have ever seen or the most disturbing film that you guys have ever seen. Um, I've seen some pretty crazy films uh, in my time on this planet, and I think that uh, those American guinea pig ones, I've seen two of them because there's two up on Tui. Um, I've seen American guinea pig sacrifice. That one is... Uh, as Mike Scandato said about sound, uh, that one is definitely a shower movie. And uh, American Guinea Pig Song of Solomon, uh, that one's pretty messed up too. The gore and practical effects, I think, in both are out of this world. Um, sacrifice, uh, kind of even leaves you uh, in pain after, I think. Uh, Song of Solomon, even the acting wasn't so cool, um, wasn't so good. Um, I think it's uh, it's one of the most effed up exorcism films that I've ever seen. Um, and then, of course, you know, you got your Serbian films, your uh, 
August Undergrounds, all that kind of stuff. So that's my take, but I'm curious to get you guys' take. What are the most disturbing films that you think you have ever seen? And, uh, yeah, once again, love what you guys are doing. And uh, cheers. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. All right, so Dave and his three disturbing films. So do you, do you get put any thought into that, Jeff? You got any, any films that disturbed you? I put a lot of thought into it. Um, now, I, I was trying to come up with a, the perfect one. I mean, different things disturb different people, you know? So, like, on movies like the, the Wicker Man, Midsummer, Kill List, I find that stuff really disturbing to me. You know, the human sacrifice or or uh, you're a part of a larger plan and you don't know it. That stuff really gets under my skin. But the more I thought about it, like what the movie that got under my skin more than anything else, more than, than Martyrs, uh, is uh, Requiem for a Dream. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Not really a horror movie in the traditional sense, but there is an argument to be made that that is a horror movie. Yes. I, I mean, I, I read the Selby book before I saw the film, and... Um definitely powerful all of his writing has like a very disturbing edge to it but that one specifically had a a real uncomfortable thing because of the relationship with the mother and you know the descent of everyone into ruin yeah i mean that scene between uh um ellen bernson and uh what's his name there uh jared leto when they're in the kitchen and you can tell his mom's like kind of fucked up and they had that conversation oh man that like that gets me every time and the movie just has one of the most depressing endings i've ever seen and i remember in my watching that in my apartment in boston and that movie pretty much ruined like the next few weeks of my life it's all i could think about but it, it, it's so good i haven't watched it in a while it's it might be due for a rewatch but I gotta say, man, that got under my skin more more than anything I've ever seen. It, it affected me on a on a deep level. What about you? Well, I, I got three because I think Dave oh, asked okay. us for three. So, in no particular order, um, we got Serbian film. Okay. Which Dave yeah. talked about in his voicemail, and that one really did. The ending of that one blew me. It was fucking oh, ru- ruined God. the whole trip. You know what I mean? Like it really disturbed me. At the end. Found. It was such a. I'm sorry. Oh, found. Okay. Yeah, what were you going to say? What were you going to say about Serbian film? I was expecting it to be. I wasn't expecting it to actually be a good movie. I thought it was going to be like a saw kind of shock uh, value freak show kind of thing. It's it's a good movie. It's well made, and 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 it made the film that much more disturbing because of it. Exactly, you know, and and for the first like half of the movie, nothing happens really extreme. It's just character building, and like you know, it it you get to know the characters really well. And then it just goes all all goes crazy at the end, you know, towards the end. Yeah, I watched that with um, Peter Ferris, who's been on your podcast. Everyone oh, yeah. black a few times, mm-hmm. um, and we were like drinking beer, like getting getting ready, like preparing ourselves mentally for it. And I still felt terrible after watching it. Like, wow, I can't take that back. That's the thing I've seen now. You know, Found fucked me up too, actually. That one was a movie that me and Mike did. And um, yeah, the ending, man. I did, the, Once again, that ending was so disturbing. And I think the ending juxtaposed with the sort of coming of age of aspect of the film. Like there's, there was like a part of the movie that was... Um, 
it almost felt like a Stephen King sort of short story or film. Mm. And then it just got super dark and brutal at the end and, and very uncomfortable. And that, that, that definitely disturbed me. Okay. And then, of course, uh, probably the, uh, the, the, the godfather of all disturbing films is Sallow by Pasolini. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, I thought you were going to say something else, Mike. What do you think I was going to say? Martyrs. You know, I thought about it, too, because that one, like, disturbing but thought-provoking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, black. Like, the, the ending of that was, like, one of the most nihilistic endings. But then again, the more you think about it, it's like, was it really that dark? I mean, it was definitely dark. But the fact is, you don't know what happens at the end of the movie. Right. You know, and it's and it's left up to, your, to you to project what you think happened on the film, at the end of the film. Have you, did you and Mike cover Martyrs? Oh, yeah, ages ago. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, uh, that might that'd be a fun one to do, uh, but I, I don't know if I can bring myself to watch that again. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, and I've only seen it twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's an ordeal trying to get through it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's a good list. Well, I said Requiem for a Dream. Uh, you know, obviously Martyrs would be on that for me. Have you seen Funny Games by Michael Haneke? Yeah, oh yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, I could see that being on there too. That one really got an, I mean, he remade his own film too, and and uh, which was bizarre. Uh, but you know what? If I had to uh, go with the third, The Vanishing. Yeah. The end. That's yeah, that's really another. That's another ending. one that it gets you at the end too. In the Vanishing. Yeah, it's all about the ending. Yeah, and it's one of the most horrific endings ever. I mean, that one really, oof. Yeah, tough, tough watch that one. Um, I have seen Song of Solomon. That's uh, one of those like unearthed films, uh, American guinea pig movies, and uh, yeah, oh. it's a possession film. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the dude from Angel Corpse uh, is in it, as well as Jim Van Bever, one of my favorite film people ever. Okay, yeah, I'm not familiar with that with, with those movies. Apparently, it's on Tubi. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, right next on. next up, we got uh, we got Mike from Telford, PA, and uh, Mike has allowed us to play his message, and I thank him for that because he's a big, big, big supporter, and I feel like he's a big part of this show since we we talk about his his voicemails every week. So here's Mike. Yo, Necrohood. This is Mike from Telford. I'm currently laid up with fucking pneumonia. I'm on some heavy-duty fucking antibiotics, and uh, I'm so fucking weak that when I go to drink something, I'm, like, shaky and shit. But I, I did get to hear the episode today. It was a great one. Uh, if you guys think this is suitable with me sounding like I do, go for it. You know, I love the show, and if it helps, do, do what you got to do. I appreciate you, fellas. Uh, the only recommendation I have this week is um, on Apple Music, there's two Dennis Wheatley novels on there, read by Christopher Lee, uh, Strange Conflicts and uh, The Devil Rides Out. It's, it's really killer. I've, I've listened to each one of them twice because I'm just fucking laying around like a loaf. So uh hope you guys have a good weekend. I was looking forward to a long weekend. Oh, we're going to head up to upstate New York and be with my family and get drunk and that ain't happening now, so hope you guys have a better holiday weekend. And uh, I look forward to next Thursday. All right, brothers. So, dude, I hope you feel better. 
um, it's a bummer that you got sick right before a holiday weekend and, um, mm. you know, man, just, uh, pulling for you. And, uh, that's good to know about the Dennis Wheatley stuff on Apple music. I, um, I think I will check that out for sure. Totally. All right, so that that brings us to um, this week's feature film. And, of course, we're talking about Mimic 3. (laughs) (laughs) It seems random, right, that we come up with this one? Yeah, you know, I I was trying to think last night while I was watching it. I was like, why are we watching this? (laughs) Okay. I think you guys were talking about it on the other other podcast. Yes. When, uh, when, all right, back to Nightlands weekend, I'm down in, in Philadelphia staying with Rennie because Rennie accompanied me on that. And we did that episode from, uh, from my car outside in the parking lot. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, Rennie was like, have you ever seen mimic three? And I was like, I didn't even know they made three of them. I, I only know the first one. I didn't see the second one. And he, no, same. so we watched it that the morning before we went to go back to the festival and it was like such an interesting offbeat version of a sequel to that film and um yeah it's i he saw it in a theater they showed that in a theater somewhere that's on some festival that he went to oh okay um this doesn't have seen it in the theater vibes to it at all well no this this was released direct to dvd actually (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it feels that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mimic 3, released October 14th, 2003. So, it's an older film and um, written and directed by J.T. Petty, a guy that uh, I didn't, I've never seen any of his other films, but I, apparently he's a video game uh, writer. Oh, you haven't seen uh, The Burrowers? Oh, wait, he did that? Yes. Huh, I, 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 all right, so I've seen that. <laughs> Okay. That's that's a very, very good movie. Okay, so I saw The Burrowers. I stand corrected. And um, I don't think I've seen any of his other movies. But did you see he's a video game guy? Because I was kind of wondering what happened to him. Like, he made a couple films and haven't really seen seen that name in a while. Yeah, I barely recognize the name at all. And uh, apparently he's gotten, like, absorbed into the video game world. Oh, interesting. I'll have to ask my girlfriend if she knows who he is. That's her domain of video games. Yeah. So some of the research I did said that the um, story was inspired by a short story, okay, by Donald A. Walheim. Now, I don't know if this, if the Sentinel Mimic 3 is inspired by that, but I know the original Mimic was uh, was inspired by, uh, by a, a work, a piece of writing. So I don't know if that... They're saying that the concept, because it does tie into the original loosely, is, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't think this, I haven't read the story, so I don't know if this is part of it or not. Or they're just saying the original right. one from 97 was, like, inspired by it. So, anyway, that's that. Okay. But uh, the, uh, the cast, now, he's not the main character. But I'm going to mention him first, since he's, uh, in my <clears> opinion, <throat> horror movie royalty. We got Lance Henriksen. As the garbage man, we got Carl Geary as Marvin Montrose. We have Alexis Ziena as his sister Rosie. Keith Robinson is Desmond, the drug dealer. 
uh, the great Amanda Plummer as uh, Simone, their their mother, and uh, John Capellos as Detective Gary DeMars. All right, now mm. that John Capellos guy, I think he had a career in the eighties in some of these like uh, you know teen films. Yeah, it was driving me crazy where or what I recognized him from. I think he played the janitor in the Breakfast Club. Yeah, he's like he looked. He had that kind of janitor face. He's either a janitor or a cop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, like he was born to play the janitor or a cop, and always kind of like a sleazy ish kind of dude. Yeah, and uh, we have Rebecca Mater as Carmen, one of their neighbors, and that's pretty much the main the main cast. And, um, yeah. Yeah. The film has a, a very... <laughs> well, okay, let's start. What, what are your feelings on the first minute? Like, were you a fan? Yeah, the first one was good. That was a Guillermo del Toro. Um, definitely, like, a bigger budget production. Um, you know, it, it was a major... You know, I wouldn't say a major film, but it, it, it was in the theaters. I remember seeing it. I remember enjoying it. I thought it was cool. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, Josh yeah, Bowen was in it, you know, <laughs> like. That's yeah. right, he was. Yeah. 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 Um, Mira, Mira Sorvino, the great, the lovely yes. Mira Sorvino was in that. One of your favorites. One of my favorites. Absolutely one of my favorites, yes. And um, I, I thought it was cool. Mimic, I thought it was a cool story. You know, it's about, um, you know, it's like uh, bioengineering gone crazy, you know, and it just, it, it, was, it was a monster film, which I thought was cool. Yeah, it was Del Toro's first American movie. I know uh, I'm staring actually at the Blu-ray of the movie that I have. It's called the Mimic the Director's Cut. So the version that's streaming on HBO Max or that played in theaters is not Del Toro's preferred version of the movie. Uh, I guess the Weinstein stepped in and really kind of really fucked with his movie. And although the Blu-ray is the director's cut, I believe I remember him saying something that like to, if for a true director's cut, he would just have to remake the entire film. Like it's, it's not what he wanted, but I mean, that said, I, I agree with everything you said about it. It was a fun monster movie and you know, the, the, the seeds were there for what Guillermo del Toro would, you know, eventually become, you know, an Oscar winning director. Yeah. It's a very del Toro film. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Now, from the get-go, this film has a very different feel to it, all right? Mm. And, and it's, yeah. like, from the very, very beginning, it was like, oh, yeah, this reminds me of, like, a Hitchcock, like, rear window kind of vibe. You know, even even the uh, the title sequence, like, the, the font that they use and all that. Yeah, actually, I wrote down the same thing, Mike. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would say just the, um, the the way it's shot, the way it looks... You know, it almost has like this Technicolor look to it. Yeah, I wrote down that it feels like a movie from the 90s trying to be a movie from the 60s. Exactly, yeah. So right then and there, I, I it, it, it set the stage for me to enjoy this movie in a weird way. Even though, you know, like we'll get into some of the peculiarities of this film. But yeah. also it's unclear as to where the hell this movie takes place too. Yeah, um, I was going to actually mention that, John. Did you catch where, where where this was supposed to be? Well, um, everyone's speaking English, right? Yeah. However, it looks like it's in like the Czech Republic or something like that. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it kind of adds to the bizarre feel of this movie. Yeah. Like, it's not in any American city that I've ever seen. And it looks no, like I, it looks yeah. like it's in Europe. Like even even the the flats that they live in have this very European like look to it and feel to it. Yeah, I I, uh, I thought so too. Like it would not surprise me if I looked up and it's just filmed in like you know the Czech Republic or something like that. Yeah, so it, it looks like it's filmed in East in Eastern Europe. Um, it, everyone speaks English, <laughs> and uh, and it, it has there's there's a scene where there there's an American flag too. I don't know if you caught that. I did not know. Yeah, there's some random American flag like hanging up on a wall. <laughs> and okay. I was like, okay, so we're we're being led <laughs> to believe that this takes place in the United States somewhere. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Even though I, I thought the lead actor had a very European look to him, almost like he's like the poor man's Tom Hardy or something. Oh yeah, the lead actor Marvin, the guy who plays Marvin. Yes, he's like. Um, he looked like he was in like some some kind of like post punk band or something, you know. He had this like wispy like British look about him. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I uh, I think he was in he was the lead actor in the Burrowers as well. Okay, uh, but haven't seen him in much else. Yeah, like he looks like he plays bass in a band that sounds like Interpol or something like that, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, or he's like Interpol's touring bass player. <laughs> yeah, touring bass yeah, these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's a. It's, an interesting performance, I'll say. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the character Marvin because he is the main character. So he's the voyeur, similar to the, you know the character in, in the Rear Window. He's, you know, he has a um, some kind of medical condition where he's like hypersensitive to all sorts of sensory like inputs, like scent, like smells, and um, you know he, he's like a very sickly kind of diminished person. Yeah, was it? No, I don't know if it's because I didn't see the second one or Mimic wasn't fresh in my head. Is this somehow like a condition? Like, does that carry over from the other films? It was a little kind of vague about what was wrong with it. Unknown. I I, I didn't watch the first two prior to watching this one, but um, it seems like the his condition is definitely something that's fictitious, you know, and and it's like he picked it up somewhere, and I don't know, like he's a survivor of some sort of medical issue. But he, as a result of that, he's this super introverted guy. He's like kind of creepy, you know. He's like always spying on his neighbors with, uh, you know, with like his uh, his camera. He's taking photographs of random stuff. He's like a a um, amateur photographer, you know, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So right away, um, you know, we we also meet his sister, who is like a little bit more of like a street kid. You know, she's like has a friendship with um with the drug dealer, you know, like he's obviously a little bit of a shady character, not necessarily a bad guy, you know, but someone who's involved in the, you know, just street, a street guy, you know what I'm trying to say? Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Uh, and they live with their mother, Amanda Plummer. Um, who, and, ha- who uh, has a- kind of a, kind of a restrained performance for her. Yeah, uh, I guess we should put the acting in this movie is all over the place. Like uh, the lead actor playing Marvin, I mean, you don't really you, you know he's not not well, but he kind of plays it like he has some sort of like handicap or something in, in some scenes. It's very very bizarre, really strange performance. 
Yeah, exactly. Because there, there's, um, you know, the, the sister is out on the streets having fun, tearing it up and, uh, you yeah. know, doing drugs, you know, whatever, <laughs> like, you know, hanging out. She brings this girl over, Carmen. Okay. And right away, we, this is what, this is what, ha- you know, we see the, the affliction that this guy has. He's like, oh my, you've, you, 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 you smoke or whatever. And he's like, goes into this like weird yeah. palsied, almost like a seizure. Yeah. Yeah. I just found, I thought that was such a bizarre feature of his character. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, this, this movie is an hour and 16 minutes long. Doesn't it feel like maybe 20 minutes of this movie is just completely missing? It seems like, yes, I, I agree. There, there seems to be like, maybe, you know, they were a little too uh, generous with the, with the scalpel on this one. You know, they were like a little too, too, uh, you know, um, like they cut too much out of this film. It seems like. That's what it feels like to me, because I mean, like this is a movie like, that has almost no plot, no characters. It's got plenty of style. Yeah. It's a good looking movie, but you don't know any of these characters. Like it just sort of goes from scene to scene to scene and thing and with no connective tissue whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's um it's it's very stylish, definitely. And I think that's more what I'm responding to is just the oddness of the way everything proceeds in the film. Like the characters are so weird. Like Marvin is like you kind of you wonder whether or not it's like an emotional condition that he has, and or, or over his physical condition. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I just feel like I wanted to know more. Like the seeds of a good movie are are there. I just don't think they really did enough with it. You don't really understand fully what Marvin's condition is, or who these people are, what their dynamic is. You know, Marvin refers to himself as a bubble boy at one point in the movie. But then you see him walking around outside with his sister. And I'm going to mention something, too, that I picked up. The only person who he seems to have reactions to is Carmen. Mm. Like when Car- Carmen yeah. comes in and he's like, you smoke. And, he, and she's like, I, I had a cigarette outside. And then he sees her later at another scene. He's like, your perfume. You know, and it's like and he goes, <laughs> it's yeah. bizarre. And it's like no one else seems to elicit any of those reactions from him because we, you know, her. We also have the cop comes to the house. There's a, seat, a scene where he's out on the streets where there's all sorts of sensory inputs like smells and you know sights and sounds and all. And it seems fine. Yeah. So it yeah it's something about Carmen because that becomes like you know later we see that there's a budding romance between the two of them. Yeah, and I you know again like uh, that's an interesting idea. Why her? Why like is, is this uh, like a mental condition? But the film doesn't really explore anything. Right, uh, that's a missed opportunity because they could have explored that for sure. Yeah, um, I, yeah, and then we, we kind of talk about the sister character. I mean, like at one point she comes in and calls someone a corn cob. Like. <laughs> 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 I, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone call another human being a corn cob. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of points in this film where the dialogue felt like it was written by someone who doesn't speak English as a first language or someone who's not familiar with the sort of colloquial English that you know you and I would be familiar with. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a perfect way to put it. I got the same thing <laughs> from that. That's the only like you know, that's the only way you can imagine a line like that. Um, yeah. But uh, JT Petty is American, right? I think I think he is. Yeah, or he's at least he's he's from like an English speaking country, 
you know, I probably should, should have looked this up before we started, but, uh, yeah, you. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. hey man, you know, no, no one said we were we were pros here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, again, and like it, it almost feels like the, the acting in this is like like an alien made this movie. Like they don't really know how people interact with each other. Like the sister, she has this really. I think she's trying. Like you're supposed to get, like you said, she's a little trouble. Maybe she parties. Um she's a little bit more carefree than Marvin, but I, like, I found the character grating almost every time she was on screen. Like she has this really annoying fake laugh. It's like, it feels like you're watching a play put on by high school kids. Yeah. 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 And, all right. So, so, uh, JT Petty is from Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, they definitely speak English there as the first language. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know what, what happened here. Um, so, so, yeah, the, the story is very, the plot is very simple. Okay. People start disappearing in this neighborhood that they live in, you know, and the neighborhood has like this vibe of like a, you know, kind of like a, you know, borderline sketchy neighborhood because we have, um, you know, we got a drug dealer selling drugs out there, you know, that's uh, Desmond, you know, and, yes. um, you know, Amanda Plummer, single mom, two kids, you know, there's crime in the neighborhood, that sort of thing. But everyone thinks that the, the person behind all these disappearances is Lance Henriksen's character, the garbage man. Right. You know, he's this shadowy loner that lives by himself down downstairs from them. Right, and uh, and Marvin is kind of spying on him. Lucky for Marvin, everything happens in front in in, in front of windows with with the curtains open. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and yeah. So there's this surveillance aspect to the film too. That is, um, yeah, it just it, it, I, I thought that was kind of cool. Like it's telling a story, and there's no real attempt at realism in this film, and I think that's what's it's a play. It's like this. It's almost like a play in some ways. Like there's like a, it's everything's overacted. There's like, you're in, you're in a bizarre world, which you don't really, it doesn't feel like anything you've ever seen really in real life, but it's very close to real life, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a great, I, I wrote that down as well, that this, yeah, like it feels like a, a, a little bit of a play and yeah, people just don't act like normal people uh the, the reaction like you know the like the movie starts with a, a kid being murdered which uh you know i'm always for that you're always down <laughs> you for know, kids like, getting killed in movies yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly um so it's like okay all right but like you know like there's no police presence like people just go missing and then like when uh, you know i i think i think desmond got killed uh not that this movie is dense and hard to follow but things kind of happen in this movie and i'm like well, what what just happened yeah yeah exactly like um like desmond's out in the street everything's lit really darkly and then you just see blood and desmond's not in the movie anymore so you just assume desmond is gone he's dead and you know they call the police and um you know we you get that uh gary the cop comes over and <laughs> And he's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, he's like, but he doesn't take him seriously. No, no, they don't believe Even that though, there's any anyone's dead or there's murders or you know. At that point, they're thinking that that Lance Henriksen's character is is the murderer because he just he seems like the kind of guy that would murder someone, you know. 
Yeah, exactly. And I guess it's because of Mimic 3. Maybe you're, you're, you kind of, the, the back surprise is already kind of spoiled for you that it's really not him. And then, then of course, uh, Gary the cop starts uh, starts banging their mom and he's at the house all the time, <laughs> which is like, once again, like such a bizarre like narrative point, you know? It is. And it just sort of happens. Like, just, like you see the scene where he, and then like, you, you know, uh, a couple minutes later, it's like, oh yeah, he's banging the mom. Like, it's not really. There was nothing that even thing. shows that they're even like attracted to each other at all. <laughs> it's just like, he's in the house. She brings yeah, out two it, glasses it, of wine. And he's like, "Well, I get off in twenty minutes." And then the next, and then like two scenes later, he's at the house, and they're they're in in their bedroom, banging. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, I don't really have people because that's one thing I'm glad they addressed because he's like, yeah, I'll get some of my people on. I'm like, you're a, you're a detective. What 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 people? <laughs> yeah. And then he later says, "I just wanted to impress your mom. I don't have people." I, I wish it was like, that easy to to get someone to bang you as it is for Gary the cop. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Gary the cop doesn't have a lot going on for him. No, but uh, you know he, he gets to uh, sleep with the uh, Amanda Plummer. So good for him, I guess. But uh, you know, like he, and then like his character's out of the movie. Like, like uh, that's what I'm saying. Like this feels like almost like a dream you would have, where like big chunks of it are missed. Things are happening, but all the major connective tissue is just isn't there. So back to the original world of mimic okay there's like this thing called the judas strain oh know? yeah right so th this is where the we this story could have actually d didn't necessarily with a couple of uh flourishes of the pen this didn't even necessarily have to be part of the mimic series really this could have been a standalone sort of film uh but yes. what they they connected it to mimic with the whole judas strain thing which is like from the first movie um the, if I remember correctly, there was a whole thing about getting rid of vermin or termites or cockroaches or something like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. So they developed this uh, this thing where their metabolisms like speed up or something like that. And then as a result, years later, this like mutant fucking bug creature arises. And that's what the this whole mimic thing is. Right. So yeah, there, there's, more, there's more of these. And that's apparently how they, they're existing in this neighborhood. And it turns out that Lance Henriksen is not a garbage man. He's right. actually a scientist. <laughs> Great casting. Lance Henriksen, the scientist. Sure, I'd buy it. <laughs> yeah, the guy, I mean, yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? It's just, so, so there's this, he's like undercover apparently in this neighborhood trying to like, you know, and it's not even clear what his goal is in that neighborhood, right? Yeah, no, not, no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Is he there to destroy them? Is he there to study them? Is he one of these, like, because, you know, there's also in these films, there's always, like, that wild guy who, like, is trying to, you know, monetize this, like, potentially, uh, you know, a threat to, a potential threat to the existence of humanity, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's his not, motivations are very unclear. Yeah, he's just not, it's not clear. And there's also these guys who originally they thought were cops, but are not cops. And it's not even really clear what they are. That's they just, right. They just yeah. show up in the neighborhood. Right. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and and <laughs> I, I, I've seen this movie three times. Okay. <laughs> and I, okay. I have to tell you that I really don't know 
how any of this stuff figures out really into into a, into a cohesive storyline. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah. At all. Like, there's no cohesive plot. And once it, it, it's popular with interesting characters and good ideas, but none of it comes to the surface. Like Lance Anderson, like that character, like the, the movie, you could have used another, like some more backstory about him or what he was doing. At one point he's ranting that humanity's over. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, he was an interesting character. Uh, I wanted to see, see a lot more of him. Yeah, this movie needed like another 10 minutes, I think, to round it out. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason I say like it feels like it was shot, I mean, like even like the editing in this movie, there's a lot of fade-ins and fade-outs. I don't know if that's a stylistic choice or just like they just had to, they couldn't edit it together in a cohesive way, so they do like fade-in and fade-outs. Like, you know, at one point, the sister Rosie is like, uh, you know, talking to the couch. She thinks she might have witnessed her boyfriend slash friend Desmond murdered. And then in the next scene, she's just kind of hanging out on a park bench, you know. I like, I feel like like something was missing there. Yeah, could be, could be. So at the end, uh, at the end, the film gets resolved, and um, yeah, it's it's like. Uh, it, it kind of gets resolved. I don't know. Do they do they kill all the creatures, or there's still there's there was there going to be a mimic four that comes out? You know, right? I couldn't even tell you who was alive at the end. I mean, I know for sure like some people were dead. Um, but you know, like it, it's sort of Gary like, the cop the, gets killed, and Lance Henriksen. Yes, Gary the cop gets killed. Like uh, like a couple scenes after he's like introduced, and again, like there's there's, there's no way to anything that happens. Because there are no characters in this movie. There's just people playing roles, but they don't have anything to play. Yeah. I feel like like the character of Marvin, he seems to be the only one trying to do something. Amanda Plummer's character gets incinerated. So, yeah, so she's gone. Well, she gets, like, stabbed by the, the bug. Yeah. What happened to the sister? The, like, sister, the sister survives. Okay, the, I missed end, that. After, uh, after the bugs get blown up, and uh, Gar- and uh, Marvin hides in the refrigerator, and they recover him. We also see that they recover the sister. She was somewhere, okay. And then I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, well what about Carmen? You know, his his uh, his love interest. <laughs> so Mar- Marvin yeah. Marvin's uh, he's in a hospital with like this you know plastic sheathing around him, and then Carmen appears, and she comes in, touches his hand, and there's no reaction to her. Like, it's not like he goes into this uh, seizure or whatever. So it seems like they're going to okay. be together, you know, in a romantic but relationship. I, I don't know if this was meant to be vague or they had maybe an idea planned out that they didn't shoot. But Carmen has to be dead. I mean, she is uh, set on fire and then shot rather comically. I don't think it was meant to be funny, but I found it hilarious. Uh, and then Marvin blows up his house. <laughs> well, that um, that's why, like, the first time I saw the film, I was surprised that she was at the end. So do you think that, you know, Marvin died and they're in, they're in some alternate, you know, reality somewhere? Yeah, I don't, it was a very bizarre ending. I don't see how anyone would have survived that. Uh, you know, he was hiding in a refrigerator that had holes in it because, the, the, you know, the bugs were trying to get him. 
So when he blows up his house, I mean, maybe he might live, but he'd probably be burned and fucked up, but he looks fine in, in the hospital. But there's no way the Carmen's, there's no way. You know, she, she's holding his hand like everything's fine. Like you were just shot and set on fire and then blown up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you might have a scar or two. Um, I also want to point out Carmen's reaction to when the mom is getting killed by the bug. It's almost like she didn't know the camera was on her. <laughs> like she's just kind of like standing there. <laughs> it's such a weird movie. Yeah. Well, okay. So what what is your breakdown of this film? What what do you give this movie if you're gonna rate it? God damn, that's a good question. I mean, okay. I like the director. I thought the Burrowers was one of the best direct to video horror movies I've ever made. I it's really good. And uh, S&M Man or Sandman, whatever it's called, is also good. So I kind of want to give this movie a pass in some ways, but it's terrible. It's not a good movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I enjoyed watching it. Like, it was very stylish. It was so utterly bizarre and, and <laughs> that, that I, 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 I was entertained. But, I mean, if you're listening to this show, you, you – You'll get it, but I wouldn't recommend this to someone like, "Oh, hey, you want to check out a good horror movie? You got to see Mimic 3. Uh, I'll give it a two for entertainment factor, but okay. really, I mean, it, it's not good. I've given it a much higher score. Oh, okay. Yeah, I give it a three point five. Wow. Yeah, I despite all the things we've said about this film, I I, I enjoyed it all three times that I watched it. Three times. Yeah, wow. I watched it. I watched it at Rennie's house, right? And I was like, "Man, this is a fucking tripped out movie." You know, I, I was enjoying it as I was watching it because of how bizarre and odd it was. And then when I asked you guys about doing it on the show, I was like, "Well, I'll watch it again. Watch it again." And then you know, I try to watch. I try to watch the movies twice when we do them, and then no, the second I time. I do too. And it was like, I, each time I watched it, I enjoyed it because of how weird it is. Yeah, it's it's definitely got a lot of style going forward. Uh, clearly, um, the director has a, a vision. I don't think he had a full grasp on it yet. I also feel like this movie was originally like two hours long and they just chopped almost a full hour of it out yeah. of it. That, that's what it feels like. And, you know, it's called Mimic 3. I don't think anyone was thinking too hard about it. Like, just put this fucking thing on DVD and, and put it out there. People will rent it or buy it, you know? It feels very thrown together and not a lot of thought uh, went into it. But I will say this. my The special effects, surprisingly pretty good. Yeah, and, and they used probably the budget in their favor because everything's dark, you know? And, and uh, you know, the bug, the bug creatures are, are pretty believable and they look cool, too. Yeah, they do. Like for for a direct video, uh, two thousand three movie called Mimic Three. Like the, I, I was really expecting the worst in this, like really bad shoddy uh, CGI or something. But the, you know, most of what you see like looked practical and uh, yeah, obviously like you said it's very like shot in shadows and in some scenes you can't tell what's happening at all. Um, but when you do get a look at these things, they do look cool and they do look, you know, believable. I recommend it at least as an oddity to check out. You know, like I, I'm not going to say that it's good, and I'm not going to say it's not good. You know what I mean? It's like 
it just it's, 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 it exists in the world and i think if you like if you're interested if you want to just check out something that's that's weird you know and take it in then check this out it's on it's on max right now on hbo max whatever you want to call it yeah yeah um all three of them yeah, are on it, max. It, yeah. It, it, it's an oddity for sure uh but it's it's oh, man yeah I, I had fun watching it and it's, Hey, it's only an hour and 16 minutes out of your life. If, if you want to check, check this out. And I hope people do check it out and leave us a, a voicemail. Let, let us know what you thought of it. Cause um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for words for this one. Well, the, the one thing I do give it props for is the approach of like the, the you know, uh, what the hell is his name? JT, uh, whatever, what's the dude's name? J, J, JT, <laughs> JT Petty. Petty. Yeah. He, he probably he was like oh you know let me let me approach this like a Hitchcockian film this like third installment in like you know a series you know of, and each one is diminishing in budget so let me let me give give it like a Hitchcock coat of paint and make it like see what I can do with it I appreciate that kind of hustle with somebody you know what I mean sure I mean yeah I, I, most like things like this would you know direct a sci-fi channel or whatever. Uh, wouldn't have this level of stylishness to it. This like, yeah, I'll, I'll give him, give him credit for that. I mean, yeah, definitely made it his own. And, but uh, I don't, he definitely doesn't feel like he had the com- command of the, like, it's almost like I can feel like, okay, he yelled action and then didn't tell anyone what to do during the scene. <laughs> There's one scene where the sisters like, uh, 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 Marvin's talking to the cop and the sister is kind of like bent over like looking at her brother shaking her head she's like what the fuck is she doing it's almost like she had no direction at all yeah it could have been you know <laughs> yeah it's, it's a very bizarre it's entertaining uh, on that kind of level but it, it's it's not good I'm sorry and there you have it man <laughs> Yeah, please let us know what you think of this. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Take care.
Thank <laughs> you.